setting, Exodus chapter 20, so let's open our Bibles there. We're only going to spend a little time there because the verse we study is so short. We're studying the Ten Commandments. We're in a mini-series that we began uh, uh, nine weeks ago, actually a little bit longer because of the holiday and all, but we're in this section of Mosaic Law known as the Decalogue. I've entitled it Stone Text Messages from God. That's my little subtitle for uh, this mini-series that we're in. Let's just cover them really quickly. The first one is God says, and he, he deals in two different tables of stone or two different stone tablets. The first four are Godward. In other words, our responsibility to God. No other gods before me is commandment one. Commandment two is make for yourselves no idols at all. Not of me, mainly. God doesn't want an idol of himself, and he doesn't want idols of other gods. Commandment number three is do not misuse the name of God. Don't take his name in vain. Commandment four is remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. So those first four laws are God word, but the next laws, the next six laws that we're studying in these past few weeks are about our relationship to others, our relationship to man. So we have our relationship with God, this uh, vertical relationship, and then we have the horizontal relationship with one another, beginning with honor your father and your mother. Number six, you shall not murder. Number seven, you shall not commit adultery. And as you recall, two weeks ago, you shall not steal. In other words, you're to... You're to Know that God provides for you. You should never steal from another person. Stealing from others, really, you're turning your back on God and his provision for you. So God says don't steal. Now, there are other applications to that law as well. But whenever you read those laws, even considering those with me tonight, do you feel guilty? I hope you do. I feel guilty every time I read those laws because I realize that I'm a lawbreaker, that I've broken every one of those laws more than once. And I read those laws and I just go, oh, Lord, you know, there but for the grace of God go I. We're all guilty. But here's the good news. Jesus, (laughs) God sent his son to step in for us and to step right up to the bar of God and declare the believing the believing sinner, that would be you and I, those that have put their faith in Jesus Christ. He's declared us righteous. We are righteous because we believe in Jesus Christ. So you read the laws and you go, oh, ouch, ooh, oh, I've done, I'm guilty. But then you realize that you've been forgiven, you've been saved. Jesus has stepped up to the bar of God and declared you righteous. That is a good thing. It's a great thing for each and every one of us. The price of our sin has been paid in full by Jesus at the cross of Calvary. Amen? That's such a great, great thing. We've we've received the pardon. We're convicted criminals, but we've received a pardon. Now, I laid this out as an intro tonight because I want to lead into the next commandment, which really has to do with a bar of, uh, again, of God, uh, of judgment. Because tonight, the commandment, It's all about being truthful in the public, primarily when it comes to a trial. That's really what this next commandment is. Look at it with me, verse 16. You shall not bear false witness, notice this portion, against 
your neighbor. So although this commandment has to do with lying, and we're going to talk about lying, it's primarily about how our lies or false witness lead to the false conviction of our neighbor and indict the whole nation. Remember, God is giving these laws to his nation primarily. But for you and I in the fellowship, when someone breaks a law and lies, it affects the whole community. And that's what God is concerned about when you read that. Look at it again. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, technically, this is not a prohibition about lying in general, but about false testimony given in a court of law. That's really what you see when you read this. This ninth commandment also has to do with controlling one's tongue, which I think is really difficult for everybody to do. Notice what James says behind me on the screen, James 3.6. The tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire by hell. I mean, that's a verse, right? Speaking about our tongue, this verse has to do with lying in the court, but it also has to do with lying individually, and I'm, that's how I'm going to, to break it down and look at it, that, that little piece of flesh behind your teeth. It's wicked to the core, and we need to understand how wicked it is. So we're going to study that. I've entitled the message, Speak Only the Truth, Exodus 20, verse 16. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your blessings, and I thank you for a time to worship, a time to be refreshed, Lord, in worship. And Father, as we come now to your word, we pray that you would teach us, instruct us. We want to know what this specific law has to do not only with the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, but, but in the New Testament and how it applies to us. So teach us tonight, Lord. Reveal it to us. And Lord, comfort the brokenhearted. Bring comfort, Lord, to the brokenhearted. We pray in Jesus. Amen. So here we are in this verse. Again, God wants us to understand that all of these laws have to do with our relationship, these, this second table, this tablet of the law, beginning with honoring your parents all the way through to uh, covetousness, which we'll look at next time, have to do with our relationship with one another. He wants us to understand that our personal actions impact others. That's really, when you read these commands, you understand that everything I do has an impact in someone else's life. And personal untruthfulness... It's harmful to the whole. It's harmful to you personally, but it's, it's more harmful to the other. And that's what this, this commandment focuses on. It's harmful to your family. It's harmful to the community of believers. It's really harmful to a church when people gossip and slander and lie. Now, again, this topic is one of the Ten Commandments, and we're going verse by verse through the Bible. So I don't have an ulterior motive, really. I'm not standing here looking at you, accusing of any of you of these things. If you feel accused tonight, it's because the Holy Spirit's working. That's a good thing. But we're just going through the Bible verse by verse. And as we do, like I said at the very beginning, when you read these Ten Commandments, and if you don't feel guilty, you've you got a problem. <laughs> you don't understand your sin. 
But knowing that we're made righteous in Christ, it, it, it just so helps me, even in my study today, again, it just so helped me to, to really focus on what God is, is teaching. So when someone lies in court, though, this, this law has to do with lying in a court of, of law. When somebody perjures themselves, the effect is not only on that individual, but the person he's lying about, and also the people that are associated with the victim. And really, that's what this law is all about. So God says we must never be guilty about lying about our neighbor. We should never be guilty of that. We, should, we are always to be totally truthful, especially when it comes to someone else. And when we don't have something nice to say about something, we are to say what? Nothing at all. See, we all know that. Mom should have taught you that. And that's what God's rule says. But in order to understand this, I want to look at the old and then the new. Let's look at the Old Testament. I'm going to just take a moment here, lying in the Old Testament. So we're going to look at lying in the Old Testament, my next point here. There it is. I want to show you some things here. Number one, Satan lied to Eve. You all are familiar with Genesis chapter 3. So at the very, very beginning of the Bible, we have lies from the heart of, of Satan. Satan, as we're going to find in our Bible study tonight, is the father of all lies. He's the originator of lying. And so here in Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of our Bible, the serpent comes to Eve and says, oh, Eve, you can eat of the forbidden fruit. You will not die. Remember, he said that. That's a lie. He lied to her. And then we have, in Genesis 4, Cain. He lied to God. He's insisting that, I don't know where he is. I don't know where he is. Remember what God said to Cain? His blood cries from the ground. I, I'm not my brother's keeper. Remember? He lied, Cain. And then Abraham. He lied about his wife in Genesis 12, passing her off as his sister. He actually did that twice, by the way. And then Jacob the deceiver, the surplanter. He was the biggest liar of, of them all, Genesis 27. He lied about who he was. He dressed up like his brother. He, he put on dirty deodorant, you know, made himself smell like a man of the field, like his brother. And he went in and, and, and deceived his blind father. He lied. He was quite a liar. But did you know that God hates we think about God being loving, but God hates lies most of all. Look at this verse behind me on the screen. It's Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. Twice in that Proverbs lives pop up there. And then one who sows discord among the brethren. God hates. Wait a minute. I thought God was a loving God. He is. He's all love. But there are some things that God hates. He hates lies. Now, the word lie, as you know, it's, it's telling an intentionally false statement about someone or something. So the question is, why did God say here in verse 16 in Exodus chapter 20, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Think about this, first of all. Can you lie to yourself? 
I mean, I guess you could. Most of us don't lie to ourselves because we know reality is. You really can only lie to other people and deceive other people. And lies hurt others. They hurt the whole community. They hurt the family. And that's why God says here in this commandment, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. I read this as an illustration, a book that was written 20 or so years ago, The Day America Told the Truth. Thousands of people, Christians, were surveyed. Here are some of the results. 91% of the people say they lie about trivial manners or, or matters, and I believe that that's true. As I think about some of these things, I, I can say, oh, yeah, I think that's about right. I fit in there pretty well. 36% of us lie about important matters. 86% regularly lie to parents. 75% regularly lie to friends. 73% of these people that were surveyed in this book, they regularly lied to siblings, and 69% lied to their spouses. We call them white lies or exaggerations. We sometimes say, oh, we just embellished a little bit. But they're all lies. Look again at this verse. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, again, this command is obvious. It, it prohibits false testimony in a court of law. Perjury is what it's called. But it also prohibits slander or gossip. God is telling his people who are at the, mount, uh, at the foot of Mount Sinai, this brand new nation, he's telling them, I want you to be different than everyone in the world. Everybody else lies. You, I don't want to lie. I'm, t I'm commanding you, you shall not lie. It makes it very, very clear here. The false testimony forbidden here, again, is in the context of a, a trial or telling the truth in a courtroom. It's a prohibition against false testimony or being a false witness in a court of law. And the outcome would find an innocent person with your lie, perjury, would find an innocent person guilty. Listen, one of God's greatest attributes, and I think you would agree with this, is that he is righteous and that he is just. And it's because you and I are made in his image. We are, we are the image, we're the imprint of God, that he wants us as his people to be righteous and just. Justice is something God is. It's his character, it's his nature. And he wants you and I to be just as well. Now, again, as I've said, when this law was given, the people were in the desert. They were at the foot of Mount Sinai. No police officers, no FBI. Wow, FBI, speaking of liars. I mean, liars go right to the top of our government, right? Impeached presidents in the last 50 years of my life. Liars in, in all places. The news is just filled. Liars, people lie. God hates lies. But these people are in the desert at the foot of Mount Sinai, and there's no policeman. There's, there's really a, a court would be called together kind of hastily. If somebody stole something, then you would call the elders around you, and the elders would congregate together immediately. And right there in the desert, you would have this little court that would get together, and the way that someone would be either convicted or exonerated would be based on the witness testimony. So this was very, very important to these people. They don't have 
modern forensics, like we have, they don't have DNA. They can't go out and, you know, go to the science book to get some DNA or modern forensics. So the testimony of the witness was extremely important. And so a false testimony could be deadly in some cases. And God wants his people to understand this. If your neighbor was accused of a capital crime, a false testimony could get them ex executed. So let me show you here from Deuteronomy 17. Notice this verse behind me on the screen. This is Deuteronomy 17. Whoever is deserving of death shall be put to death on the testimony, notice, of two or three witnesses. Now, even in the New Testament, you'll hear this, two or three witnesses. But in the Old Testament, when it came to a capital crime, there had to be several eyewitnesses, not just one witness. He shall not be put to death on the testimony of one witness. So the legal system of the Old Testament based on the honesty and truthfulness of one witness and, and really the people participated in the system, just like we participate in our judicial system here in America. If you go to court or if you're in jury duty, you're a peer of those being adjudicated. So uh, the same system. We have this biblical Judeo-Christian system that our founders put into our American justice system. It comes from the Bible. And Jesus, or, or God says to his people that there had to be two or three witnesses for a capital crime. God had a way of dealing with any one person who convicted another with a False testimony, though, and let me show you this verse. This is Deuteronomy 19. It's lengthy, but let me read this. If the witness is a false witness who has testified falsely against his brother, then you shall do to him as he thought to have done to his brother. So you shall put away the evil from among you, and those who remain shall hear and fear, and hereafter they shall not again commit such evil among you. Your eyes shall not pity Life shall be for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. You've heard that before, right? This is the, the application, the context of an eye for an eye. It's for the false witness, the one that witnessed falsely and accused someone in a court of law by lying, by bearing false witness. If they were found out, then they had to succumb to the same uh, uh, penalty, and if the penalty was death and they had to die, and notice uh, verse 20 of this section here, right in the middle, those who remain shall hear and fear, and they won't, others won't do it. So God had built into his system a way to keep the false testimony to a minimum, and that people would fear if they told a false testimony in a court or to the elders and someone was accused, and they would suffer the same penalty. But there is a second way that we can bear false witness, and I need to do this because we need to apply the Scriptures as we read them and, and understand them. And it's under these two words I'm going to use, I'll present them to you now, slander or gossip. The main meaning of this verse, verse 16, is not these two things, but the secondary application is very appropriate here. And I believe it's important to apply the scriptures whenever we can. So uh, because we at times will bear false witness against our neighbor or we lie about them, 
we come up with terms like it's whispering or we're telling a tale or we're just exaggerating something. Tale-bearing, slander, or gossip is what that is. Any false information that injures another person is what this bearing false witness or lying about someone really means. The lies hurt them. My lies, your lies will hurt someone emotionally, physically, possibly. Telling a lie about somebody might get them beat up. Spiritually, lies have a great consequence in other people's lives. Lies about another person, most of all, will destroy their credibility. Lies do unspeakable damage to a person's life and ministry. I heard a story about a wise old pastor. He had a woman in his church, and every time she would see his car parked somewhere, anywhere but at his own home, she would immediately spread word that her pastor was having an affair. It was in his church. There was never any truth to her rumors, but she kept it. Going, going, every time his car was there, she kept telling the story until one day the pastor wisely left his car parked in front of her house. (laughs) And that cured her problem. Now, truth is, lies or bearing false witness, that is a forgivable sin, aren't you glad? It's a forgivable sin. But even though you've been forgiven of telling a lie by the Lord, the hurt in that other person's life or for that other situation continues on. It it might never be forgotten by those who hear them. That's why God hates lies. That's the reason. It destroys reputation. I read this other illustration. It's been said a, a lie has no legs. It requires other lies to support it. And lies are always that way. You've got to tell more lies to cover up the lie that you told. Those that think it's permissible to tell white lies soon grow colorblind, one said. So let me define these two really quick. Slander and gossip. Slander. Slander is defined as communication of false statements that injure a person's reputation. So telling a lie about another person injures them. It's slander. And we're guilty of slander when we knowingly lie about another person in in some kind of effort to harm them, to put them down. I'm better than they are at work, so you tell a lie, a little one. Oh, they can't do this. They're really lame at that. You're slandering that, that person. Your reputation is very important. Because it's what people perceive you to be. And so when someone lies about that, it it slanders and and ruins that reputation. Gossip. In the scriptures, in the Old Testament, it's known as tale-bearing. We use the term gossip. Spreading gossip and rumors about someone else. You learn a secret about your neighbor and you, you, instead of just telling God, you tell other people about that secret. Because God knows how to deal with them. So we, as Christians, instead of telling others, we should tell God. He should be the first one. We should go to God. God, you know this all about. Sister Saint, Brother Harry, whoever. 
you know this about them, Lord. I, I'm not going to say anything because I, I don't know. I don't know their heart. I don't know their motives. And so, God, I'm just going to keep quiet. I'm, I'm going to tell you, but I'm not going to tell anyone else. Gossip. Gossip is always a sin. In Leviticus 19, here's another great verse here, verse 16. You shall not go about as tale bearers among your people, nor shall you take a stand against the life of your neighbor. And God signs it. I am the Lord. No tale bearing, no gossip. Again, let me just ask this question to get into your space tonight. When you speak about your brother or sister in Christ, do you really understand that one stray word out of your mouth could result in the loss of reputation, in the hurt of someone's person? Gossip creates division, creates friction, breaks up relationships. Lying through gossip hurts not only the individual, but as I said at the very beginning, it hurts the community. It hurts everyone involved. It hurts the hearer. It hurts those that hear that gossip lie as it spreads along. It hurts. It just continues to, to hurt people. And that's the other truth that we see here in verse 16, that our speech, our false witness, our lying, becomes a weight to people. And, and I love this. I learned this a long time ago as a Christian. When it comes to saying something, is my speech going to be a wing that lifts and that's light, or is it going to be a weight that holds down and suppresses? Your tongue can be either a wing or a weight, depending on how you use your tongue. James says this about the tongue. Here it is in verse 9 and 10, chapter 3. He says, with our tongue, we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeding blessing and cursing? James says, that's insane. My brothers, these things ought not be. So how can you worship God with one breath and then turn around and slander God's creation with the next? That's what James is saying there. I read this really good illustration today about a woman she came to her pastor to apologize about gossiping about him. She was convicted by the Holy Spirit about something she said about her pastor. Maybe around the dinner table after, at lunch on Sunday afternoon. Who knows when it was, but she was convicted. So she went to her pastor and she said, Pastor, I'm so sorry that I said this and I, I just want to make restitution. I want to make everything right. And the pastor graciously accepted her apology and then said, if you really want to make it right, this is what you need to do. And, and this story comes from an, kind of a different time when people had farms and, and farm animals and she had chickens on her farm. He said, go get one of the chickens on your, your ranch. And after you kill it and butcher it, take all the feathers, after you pluck all the feathers out, take those feathers to the highest building in town and in the wind, just release those feathers. And then when you've done that, come back and tell me. So she returned to the pastor and the pastor looked at her and said, now I want you to go and collect every one of those feathers. She was shocked. She said, Pastor, that's impossible. He said, yeah, it is. Just like all those things you've said about me. You can never take what you've said back. You can't catch it. It's like a feather that's lost. 
in the wind. Gossip, slander cannot be unheard. That's why God says in verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So we've looked at the Old Testament. Let's look at the New. So lying in the New Testament. Jesus taught us to be truthful in everything. That's the norm for his followers, for his people. In Matthew 5, notice this verse. He said this, but let your yes be yes and your no be no. For whatever is more than that is from the evil one. That's an interesting thought when you think about it. Jesus gives these two categories of speech, yes and no. All speech falls in these categories here. It's true, it's untrue. Yes or no, it's that black and white. Say what you mean and mean what you say. I think that's really hard for all of us, right? But notice at the end of that verse there, he says, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. In other words, we have to be so careful about what we say because we're falling into Satan's plan. His plan is to kill and rob and steal and destroy. That's his plan. That's why God says, Jesus says here, applying this bear no false witness, he's applying it by saying, just say yes or no. Otherwise, if you add to it, if you embellish upon it, now you've fallen into Satan's realm. And notice how Jesus describes Satan. Satan, the father of lies. Here in John 8, verse 44, look at this verse behind me on the screen. He was a murderer from the beginning, Jesus says, and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. That's his nature. Satan is a liar and the father of it, Satan. His mission in life is to beat you down. His mission in life is to to see you fail. And his number way of doing that is through lies and gossip and slander. He'll cheat, he'll deceive, and he does all those things. He, he always promises what he cannot deliver, and that's what a lie does as well. And Satan, he's the father of lies. Jesus, on the other hand, is only truthful. He's only truthful in all that he does. Revelation 3.14 says he's the faithful and true witness And then he said of himself in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, again, he's the light. He's the light, and it's his light that exposes the darkness in man's hearts. John 8, 12, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So back in Matthew 5, when he said, let your yes be yes and your no be no, For whatever is more than these is of the evil one. He's saying that his followers have to speak the truth. We have to speak the truth, yes and no. Anything more comes from the father of lies. Very dramatic. Paul in the New Testament, he commands the believers in Colossae, in Colossians 3, do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The reality of the believer is, is this. You and I, after we become born again, are to work at being more separate than 
the world around us. We are to be, we are sanctified in Christ, but we are to, to work toward, we're not saved by our works, but we are to work out our own salvation in fear, with fear and trembling. We're to obey the Lord. We're to do those things that are right. And Paul says here, if you notice in the very beginning of this verse, put off the old man. Paul is using this metaphor of clothing, put off, take it off. It's your responsibility. By volition, you've got to stop lying. You've got to stop this stuff. You've got to take it off and, and then be renewed. Put on the new man. Take off the old dirty sinful clothes. Put on the new man. He says, don't lie to each other. Don't, don't do these lies anymore. Stop lying to one another. And he backs that up with this ninth commandment that we're looking at tonight in Exodus Chapter 20, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So one of the main things we learned from this commandment here, this ninth commandment, is how seriously God takes the words that we speak. He takes each and every word. God is a God of justice. He wants us to say yes and no. We're not to embellish or slander. I mean, as you're thinking about this now, you're probably all going, boy, you mean that's all I can say? I can't, yes, you can say much more than that. But be very careful, Christian, that you don't lie or that you don't slander your brother because God takes seriously the matter of justice. Again, he's just and he's righteous. That's our God. Those are the two most important qualities of who he is. And then you throw in mercy. Those three things, justice, righteousness, and mercy. When we study together on Sunday night, the minor prophets, that's what we heard over and over and over again, the justice of God. He hates it when people use scales inappropriately. He hates it when, when the judges would adjudicate falsely. He hates that because he's a just God. It's his nature, and he wants his people to be just like him. When I was a young Christian, I learned this song. It was here at Calvary Chapel, but not in this building. We were at the YMCA in 1979. We sang this song. It's Micah 6.8. Here it is. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Does anyone remember that song? There's a few of us that used to sing that. I used to love singing that song because it reminded me, this is what God wants from you and I, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. And by way of application here, I want you to notice this acrostic. Again, this helps you to put into practice the things that we're learning here. It's, we are to think before we speak. Think is the word. T-H-I-N-K, think. And as you do this, put them all up there for me, Jimmy, all at once. The word think there in the, to the left. Ask yourself these questions before you say, before you speak. T, is it true? H, will it help? I, is it inspiring? N, is it necessary? K, is it kind? It's a great acrostic for, for you and I to use with our tongue. 
here's the truth, though. If, if you find yourself tonight failing in any of these areas, I mean, I, I do these Bible studies. I tell you what, I have time to repent before I teach to you. That's the blessing of, of being a teacher. But tonight, if you fail in any one of these categories, we have a gracious God that forgives. And we have the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, who will help us if we'll only confess. God, help me with my tongue. It's slippery. I can't control it, God. Holy Spirit, would you help me? You know what? God will help you. He'll help you with that. Whether you're guilty of telling lies or you've been hurt by someone that's told a lie about you, the answer is the same. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We come to him for forgiveness. And we also, if you've been lied about and your reputation's been soiled, we go to the Lord for healing. We come to Christ for either one. Healing or forgiveness, it's the right thing to do. Let's come to the Lord right now in, in just a word of prayer. Father, as we look at this ninth commandment about lying, about bearing false witness, I know that each and every one of us are hearing what you have to say. I pray, Father, that right now as we come in conflict again with your word, our, our sinful flesh and, and our failures, Lord, that we would come to you in your righteousness and ask for forgiveness and that we would find that forgiveness, Father, in you. We're so grateful for your forgiveness and for your kindness. And so we do ask for that. And Lord, I'm sure that there's some of us in this room that have been slandered, that our reputation has been soiled by Someone, maybe a brother or sister in Christ. And Lord, won't you heal that hurt? Won't you bring wholeness and, and restore that one that's been hurt? But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be people, men and women, that grow and mature, especially in this area of bearing false witness. God, forgive us and help us. Help us to speak the truth in love. Help us to think about the words that we say about another individual. And may we bring you honor. In Jesus we pray. Amen.